Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I am your host, Eric Acker, with Karen. Hey, guys. Uh, we switched seats this week uh, so that, uh, well, we have a project I have going on that is taking up my typical seat, so... Karen is sitting where I would normally sit, but... So that you have access to the computer. <laughs> because yeah, so he keeps adjusting my mic since I'm sitting his spot. And she sits apparently like a thousand I'm miles away from the quiet. microphone. I don't like This reminds me back when I had I did a special <laughs> episode, like, over a year ago. And, like, one of the guys, like, kept leaning back and talking. And microphones just don't work like that. <laughs> no, but you don't want to be kissing it either. You you do. Yeah. I don't. You, do. <laughs> you watch any podcast or any musician and they're like on the microphone. They're not like five miles away. Well, it's a good thing we're not getting paid for this. That's a great point. <laughs> Anywho. It's have, been a couple weeks. Yeah. So we did a road trip, a very quick road trip there and back in So much days. driving. So much driving. The kids did great for the first day for the most part. With a slight exception of a escapee, yeah, not we, my fault. Yeah, we got, we got we did a bathroom break at one of the Bucky's along the way, and I thought I could trust my oldest son to you know just go to the bathroom. I gave him clear instructions: go use the stall, lock lock it when you get in, and wait for me when you're done because I'm going to go to the bathroom in the next stall. And so as soon as he shuts the door and locks it, I bolt into the next stall. And like three seconds later, he's out of the bathroom stall and I hear daddy and then footsteps of a little kid sprinting out of the bathroom. <laughs> and this is Bucky, so it's like, you know, it's got like, I don't know, like two dozen bathroom stalls and a bunch of urinals. And of course, I'm in the middle of doing my business, so I had to kind of hurry up and find our son. And of course, as I'm leaving the bathroom looking around, there's employees that are like, are you looking for a kid? He just bolted. <laughs> and so he thankfully knew where the car was. Yeah, he got an earful from me when he got to the car. Thankfully, he was all safe, but still. <laughs> Kids, you can't trust him. <laughs> Following simple instructions, go bathroom, wait. And it's like, nope, don't see you, go, run. <laughs> you must have left me in the bathroom. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. So we we made it, um, it did take about eh, seven hours, I think, with all, all the stops. All the stops, yeah. About seven hours to get to the destination. Stayed in the Airbnb that night, <laughs> which it's it's a little sad because you, you want to, you go. You, I guess you use a vacation home, you kind of want to see what's around, but we really just kind of, crashed late at night and then turned around the next day and went and toured the city and tried to see what was to be seen in the area because we have no, we know little to nothing about the area so it was to try to find out what was good. Yeah so Eric went to the hospital and he had the tour and didn't know what else you did 
uh, I think he talked to a couple different um, individuals there while he was there, followed a couple different people. Um, but while he was doing that, I I took the kids on a tour just to kind of see like groceries in the area, parks in the area, and all that jazz. And then when Eric was done, I had looked at a couple homes that were within budget because this tour was, this program was within our top three. So there's hopefully a decent chance that we'll get into either that one or one of the other top two. Yeah, I mean, well, I think the statistics are if you match, you match, and 80% of people match in the top three of their, you know, their rank. So, you know, any of these top three could be real contenders and they could, you know, we'd be pretty happy there. So this whole trip was really to, again, we know nothing about this area. We know, we know a little bit about the program based on what our interview was and our, our internet research has given us. And so this was more of a, let's go put eyes on the area. Let's get a feel for it because you can't really get you know, quote, unquote, vibes from, from a Zoom call uh, or email. So you really, it's nice to sometimes go and have a, an, a visual look at things. Uh, and then a lot of times, I, you know, I would go, I, I've gone into a lot of second looks without Karen. Um, and part of that's just, you know, there's no space. So we don't have logistics at the time to bring all the kids. We don't really know if the kids are you know allowed to be a part of the the whole thing and so I've gone to quite a few second looks without Karen but being as this is one of our top three and so we could potentially end up here I thought and again we know very little about the area I thought it made a lot more sense to bring Karen along so that she can look around she could you know she can look at the parks she can look at the houses she can look at the neighborhoods and Karen sees things that I don't see and <laughs> Because let's face it, when you're a resident, now you are going to try to live and do some things on the side, but a good number of your time is going to be spent in the hospital doing resident stuff. So the hospital, you know, might be my most important thing. But of course, my family being happy, safe, and able to do what they want to do is also very important. And that's where Karen comes in. <laughs> uh, well, because again, you, you have a different perspective on things and... Yeah. So this one was a little bit more rural than where we are currently, I would think. Um, but it seems like a nice yeah, area. And, and, and I mean, I'll, I'll talk, uh, we're purposely not naming names, obviously, but uh, and again, we'll we're, we're probably cycle back to all this after the match, and that's about five weeks away. So. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we, we have a, so the, sorry, let me just start the tour. So the tour, I got there, met with the program director, pro, program coordinator, um, very nice people, very like, good at selling the program, like they, uh, all, all good things. They have, you know, they, they're very open and honest about a lot of things. They let me ask a whole bunch of more questions uh, because sometimes you have these interviews, I think we talked about it before, where you don't think of questions, but as you get a little bit deeper into the interview season, you have better questions and you have better like, insights of what you should be looking for. 
And so this was a time for me to kind of cycle back and be like, what about this? What about this? Let me ask a few questions. What about this? And the program director was really, I think, honestly, very genuine, uh, giving me his honest answers and straightforward answers and uh, seemed very transparent. So that was very nice and refreshing. Uh, then we, I, I met with the chief resident. She, I think, is matched. She's matched already. So, so by the time I'm an intern, she will be a fellow somewhere else. So I won't. <laughs> but she was very nice. Um, she uh, took me on a tour of the hospital, showed me all the different places where we would be working as interns and residents, and you know where everything is. And honestly, uh, if there was a quiz at the end of it, I would I would fail because <laughs> I have no idea. Every hospital is built differently and is relatively maze-like, but really the gist of it is just get an idea of what the inside of the hospital looks like. Is it is it new? Is it old? Is it decrepit? Um, do people, I mean, do does it seem to be busy? Is it slow? Uh, try to get an idea of what kind of environment you're going to be walking into. Uh, and I mean, I, can't, I think I went in on a, it was a, Wednesday, so it was middle of the week. It didn't seem particularly busy that day, and maybe like I, I didn't see a lot of people, but what you know, it wasn't very busy that day. And then we went to the resident lounge, uh, to see, you know, got to see where the residents would spend their time, do their notes, and then we went to get lunch, which they paid for my lunch from the cafeteria, which was nice. <laughs> I know it, it doesn't. I mean, it seems very oh, ten dollars, but it's always nice when the program like shows out a little bit of money for you. Got lunch, met with one of the attendings. Uh, that was a little bit of an awkward experience, but you know what? <laughs> I don't know. Every everybody has a different personality, and not you know every personality is gonna like click perfectly well. This particular attending, I think, just had a different attitude about him, about like how he viewed things. He asked me if I had any questions, so he was, you know, of course, open to answering my questions. But at this point, I'd already spent an hour with the program director, program coordinator. I spent another probably hour with the chief resident. And of course, I had my interviews. <laughs> so I, I basically asked all the questions I can think of. And so I just told him, like, I, honestly, I can't think of any more questions at this point. Because at some point, you just don't want to ask stupid questions. And there's the old adage, there's no such thing as a dumb question. And to be honest, there is, especially when you're dealing with professionals and like you're in, in a professional environment. If you're asking things that you could easily have researched yourself or things that are just so benign, like does, it, does this answer, the answer to this question, does it matter? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, like... There's some very strange questions. I'm sure I can think of a few that I've heard that is just like, I don't know, like you're asking this question, but you know, is it really that important? Like I think, I think on one of my tours, they were like, oh, this area is a wellness area you book and it's open to the entire hospital. I'm like, oh, the entire hospital, not just the residents? Yes, the entire hospital. <laughs> like, okay, they answered the question and you asked them to clarify that again, like, that's kind of weird. Um, so try not to ask stupid questions, and only ones that are like, okay, well thought out and a major concern. And this particular attending, he was fine with me not asking more questions. I think he was pretty tired. Uh, and so he just kind of 
bantered with some of the residents in the resident room, we started cleaning out lockers, and then eventually it was time for morning, uh, uh, afternoon didactics. And so we went over to the GME offices and get, went to the conference room and uh, all the residents showed up. And there was actually a Trinity grad there, so that was kind of neat. And they also host uh, third and fourth year medical students there from some of the region's medical schools. And so you had medical students, you had all three years of residence there, and uh, they went through a didactics. And that is something that the program director said is very important. They always will do didactics, no matter how many times the the residents uh, will petition to stop doing didactics. He's like, nope, we are always going to do it because it's a learning thing and you got to learn and it's important. And I, I, uh, I can feel for the residents because <laughs> sometimes you get to a point where it's like, I just want to do my notes. I don't want to burn an hour and a half in the middle of the day. Um, but I get it. Uh, also learning and studying, essentially, you go through cases, you go through different uh, parts of the systems and make sure you learn everything so you can pass your boards. So also important, passing boards. Uh, and then uh, we did a wrap up with the program director. Karen came by, picked me up and... We went and drove through neighborhoods that I had <laughs> flagged as, oh, maybe we, maybe we might want this house or this house or just kind of looking. Because you can look online and be like, oh, we, we could afford to buy this house or we could afford to buy this house. But Really, you don't know until you drive the neighborhood whether or not that's a house you actually want to buy, right? Yeah, because not very often on Realtor.com do they show you, like, the neighbor's house. <laughs> what, who, who are you going to be living next to? What kind of, what kind of uh, situation are you going to yeah, be Yeah, well, they've, they've started adding, like, the street view, so you can oh, kind of nice. do that with Google. But it's a little, it's a little hard because to try and maneuver that on your your phone or your iPad or whatever you're using um, and to get a decent shot of what's around there because, I mean, yeah, you have the neighborhood, but is it a neighborhood that just two streets over is Walmart or is it a neighborhood that's a 10-minute drive from Walmart and has several other neighborhoods in between it or how close is it to a church or all the other things that you might want to know, right? Right. And then, you, you, well, during my tour, you guys actually spent some time at the park. Yeah, they, this um, area had an amazing park. It had, I think I counted five different playgrounds within the park. It had pickleball courts and tennis courts and soccer fields and baseball fields. And I we didn't <laughs> even go all the way through the whole entire park. So I imagine that that's like their central place where they do all their sports from all the surrounding areas. Um, and it was um, wheelchair accessible and all that jazz yeah, too. It was, so it was pretty nice. new and updated. It yeah. Like an old park. It was, and they had like a walking trail, uh, <laughs> running walking trail. Running walking trails. And it had, it was split down the middle. So you had each, each direction that you could go. Um, and mile markers on it, so that was nice. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of fun to explore a little bit. Uh, the kids kind of pooped out on me, so we didn't do as much as I was hoping. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday was not the best day. The kids were not in the best form. No, no, but um, we made it home the last 
hour and a half of our drive home was a little rough because um, we didn't make it home till about 11 o'clock at night. And Some of the kids were screaming, <laughs> tired, and would be periodically woken up in the car. And when they do not like to be woken up. Yes, and, and then they scream and wake everybody else up. And then everybody's unhappy until yeah. you get everybody back down and then... Recycle. Recycle, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Next <laughs> time we'll stop and buy milk to go in a cooler because our three-year-old, he's very, like, throughout the day he's fine, but at night he needs his milk. Like, that is his thing. It's his blankie. <laughs> uh, somebody had asked me... The other day, jokingly asked me, like, what do you do in the car, Eric? Do you listen to music or do you just sit in silence? And then they, they thought about it, like, well, you have, like, five kids, so that's probably what you do. You probably just sit in silence and enjoy it, peace and quiet. And, like, that's actually not too far off. I mean... Well, no. We listen to a podcast or two. Oh, I know. I know. I, I have my, my rotation of podcasts and I have my music I'll listen to. And like, you always have the background noise of, like... Bluey or whatever. But that's what I'm saying. Like, with five kids in the car, like, the next day when I was driving up to my next um, tour, program tour, it was very quiet. I I could probably spend spend about an hour just driving in silence, and it was nice, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Not that I don't love my kids, but sometimes it's... It's nice to not have, like, your blood pressure slowly rise up because some kid behind you is screaming and kicking your chair and you cannot do anything about it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, that, yeah, that's basically We had, a, had another program that happened to message me. Uh, at, so I accepted this invite that was six hours away to do a tour. Uh, and then... I think the next day, another program, two other programs actually reached out and said, hey, you want to do a second look or you want to do a tour, you can sign up. And I accepted one of them. The other one I couldn't do because it was like a three-day thing, which sounds nice, but my biggest problem with that is that it's three days. And we uh, were, one of those we days had- we were already... We had already committed to going to this other program. So, I, I you know, I just, that's a little bit bad form to... <laughs> to cancel <laughs> or just show up to one of the three days. So um, we had to politely decline that uh, opportunity. And we took the other one. So uh, was that Wednesday we came back? Yeah, so Thursday, Thursday, I turned and I drove up, you know, drove up and looked at another program. And that was interesting. It was definitely a completely different feel. Like this program I looked at on Wednesday, I got to meet the program director, I got to meet the chief resident, I met a couple of attendings, I met all the residents, I met the medical students, like I met everybody. And uh, the program I saw on Thursday, I met uh, the chief resident and a couple of second years, and that is it. And they didn't really even ask us to introduce ourselves, so good chance, unless they have really good memories, and because you could pull up the ERAS application with the headshots yeah. that, you know, unless they had really good memories and be like, oh, yeah, that one guy, he was in my group. Like there were like probably 22 people that showed up for the tour and they split us into two groups. So unless they had really good memories, there's a good chance that nobody mm-hmm. knew yeah. who I was. And <laughs> we didn't meet any faculty members. We didn't. Uh, yeah, we didn't meet any faculty or anything like that. We just met the residents that were giving us the tour 
and maybe any resident that happened to be walking down the hallway at the time. Uh, so we get to see this hospital, just giant hospital, um, big program, uh, pretty neat looking as well. And uh, the, a lot of the similar overlap to a lot of the programs that we're looking at, but it's definitely one of the, well, not the maybe not, not the top program, but it's uh, definitely one of the ones that we are seriously considering. So in the upper half, let's just say that. <laughs> in the upper half of our rank list. Um, and we had taken the opportunity to drive around that area oh, that's a right. few weeks ago. Yeah, when we went, we went when to we the went aquarium, aquarium, we went and looked around. Um, so I ha we have a fairly good idea of the area around there. Um, although if we were to be matched into that program, I don't think, I think we would probably live maybe a half hour out or more. Oh, for sure. We wouldn't, we would live. Um, we would we would, <laughs> we would be driving a little bit because I mean there's areas that are expensive areas that are crowded and areas that are not so nice and I'm not trying to say I, I you know I can't live in areas that are a little bit rougher but like I we gotta have the family be as safe as they can be Karen's gotta feel okay leaving the house letting the kids go play out in the backyard well um, it's more of like with each residency you don't necessarily know. I mean, you have an idea of what the schedule is going to be like, but like Eric starts his emergency room Medi or emergency, yeah, emergency medicine, medicine uh, rotation next week, and his schedule is rotating. So every I have like three days off, four days on, two three days. days off, four days yeah. on. <laughs> but each four days that he's on is a different shift so he'll experience each shift morning yeah afternoon, i have four like day shifts so night like, i'm like oh from nine to five for four days which sounds pretty nice or something like that and then it's like from 3 p.m to 7 p.m like okay we're getting to the evening shifts or it's like ten, uh, it's not, uh, 10 to 3 or 10, 10 to 7 th yeah something like that 10 to 7 that sounds right yeah and then there's a shift to like five to midnight I think. midnight and then and then it's like seven to three a.m yeah. something like that so it's like there's a there's like and that's how that's kind of the progression you start in days you go to swing you go to evening or night i'm not sure what they and then like graveyard i think it's, I think it's <laughs> yeah i, I don't, I don't know, know what they call, call those shows, but it's like ooh, that's gonna be a fun little progression yeah so in that instance like to me, it's important that wherever we are housed, like, I feel safe staying there by myself at night in case I have to, because there's a good chance that I will. We, know, we, we both know Karen is planning on convincing me to get a large dog. <laughs> she, I'm sure she's just eyeballing. <laughs> and where's the Great Danes in the area? Let's see. I have not looked that up yet. No comment. Yes. <laughs> it's definitely on the list somewhere. Well, see, my issue if is... If you're going to be gone and not home until 3 a.m., I'm, I'm going to need a dog. A guy dog. Those dogs are like the mushiest dogs ever, but I love them so much. They're big and scary. If, if you're, the, you're a bad guy. <laughs> Otherwise, you're, they're just I grew up with a great day. <laughs> Karen's um, gonna find a way to con it, con her way into a dog. <laughs> Eric was talking. Who are you talking to that, that their girlfriend brought home a dog? Oh, he didn't bring home a dog. His girlfriend brought home a chinchilla. 
Oh, a chinchilla, yeah. I'm just going to go look. Yeah, I'm just going to look at it. I'm not going to buy any that, like, comes home with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was telling Eric, oh, you should send send him a picture of a teacup pig because she could have done so much better than a chinchilla. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then I looked up the cost. My dear Lord, those things cost so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the kids would be very excited to have. They keep asking for a pet. But I'm just... I, I think maybe I need to have... My watch is going off. One I apologize. Time. I think I need to just... Uh, yeah, take it one step at a time. Maybe have most of the kids uh, potty trained and have some sense of... I mean, we are learning to pick up, but it is it is rough. And if they can't pick up their toys, how are they going to pick up dog poop? Yeah, one step at a time. Yeah. So... We did that tour, uh, again, very different feel. Um, and it's worth noting that a lot of the internal medicine programs are not doing second looks. There's some that are, I obviously have been on ones that felt very much like a second look. Wednesday felt like a second look. Um, and of course, uh, we had the one uh, months ago, early December that we had gone on, I had gone on, that felt very much like a second look. And then I think we do have another one. I still have one more second look scheduled for later this month. But I think it's after, technically, it's not a second look because I think it's after they supposedly have finalized their match list. So regardless of how the day goes, we won't <laughs> we, we won't go up or down on the ranking list. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. But <laughs> it's... Uh, it's an interesting, I mean, programs are not wanting to do second looks because they they feel like, uh, I think the ACP and whatever governing body for internal medicine at least feels like doing virtual interviews, a second look brings people in to the program physically and it creates an unfair advantage for people who are maybe of more means or of... Uh, I mean, more means or of local, you know, local people, they will have some kind of advantage over the person who would have to travel and can't afford to fly, you know, multiple trips to look at second looks. And so uh, then those people might be disadvantaged because, because of lack of money that they can't, you know, get, gain an edge on a program, I think essentially is the argument. I don't know. I, 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 I see their point. <laughs> Maybe this is poor on my part, but like, I, I kind of want to get. I want to get more information to make help make my decision because I have to. I have to rank these programs, and I'm going off of a, a two-hour Zoom call where everyone is like dressed up as best they can and trying to put the best face forward and, uh, like. I don't know, like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, used to, used to go out, do a dinner with a bunch of residents, and then do a whole day of interviews and tours, and you, then you can make a decision based off of all that information. You have a whole day plus an evening of dinner where people are socializing, they're maybe having a drink or eating, and maybe letting some of their guards down a little bit, and so you can get some inside scoop information. Uh, where now it's, you know, four-hour Zoom call that's all recorded <laughs> that you want to be cautious about because you don't want to say something stupid, ask something, a dumb question, 
and that caused you know anything could be a negative that could possibly drop you down the rank list. And that's that's always been true for interviews. Yeah, but well, and I think the programs have that, kind of that same feeling that you do in some sense, where we have little use, to go off. Of. Yeah, you have very little to go off of. It's just first initial impression versus and what they see on paper versus I actually met you and talked to you, and. I saw how you interacted with people on staff and I can make a decision off of that versus I had a 10 minute interview with you and I asked you some straightforward questions and we made a presentation and I was watching people during the presentation that was going on. But besides that, like what do they have to, to yeah. rank you on? Right. Yeah. Some people I think have, I, was at a uh, Super Bowl party the night, and people were talking about how some programs will throw up a picture and a name on a PowerPoint slide and have all the residents there, and they would just be like, you know, pass or keep, like, and that's how they go through some of their rank list. Essentially, is well, the interviewers like they just put the picture up there, and it, they were joking that it, it it looked a lot like Rush Week. For, for sororities or fraternities and it's like oh, I don't know I, I, not having done a sorority or fraternity I, I don't really know but I wouldn't be terribly surprised if that's kind of how that goes uh, so anyway um, as much as I understand like I don't you don't want to have a unfair advantage per se from a program like I just want more data I want more information to help make a decision because this is again going to be a three-year commitment at least three-year commitment to a geographical region and a program i'm going to put in you know anywhere up to 80 hours a week <laughs> so it would be nice to feel like you actually want to be there and that's the place you really you're going to work you're always i think to some degree every, every uh, residency is going to have that i'm working a lot i'm tired i'm getting a little bit burned out and you're going to have bad weeks and good weeks and whatnot. So I think that's fair <laughs> that you're going to have bad, but you also just don't want to be like downright miserable. I, I had talked to uh, way early in this process. I never got an interview from this program, but I talked to one resident uh, about when I was trying to get into his program or his past program. And he basically told me, if you have anywhere else to go, go there. <laughs> don't go to the my, don't go to my uh, residency program and do what I did. Like he was like I, it was my only option. I soaked into it and it was awful. And if you have any other options, go with those. So, I, it must have been pretty miserable, and you just don't want to be miserable. <laughs> um, the not every program is exactly the same. You're always gonna work and work hard, but like some will make you miserable, and some will be just hard. <laughs> and there's a difference. Uh, we're kind of rambling there, but that's essentially the point. Get more data, uh, make it help make a decision, and uh, sometimes that data is what's in the area, what the area looks like, what's available for your family, and some of that information is what's the hospital look like, what's what's the day to day look like, how how does the team seem to work, uh, what's the the interaction between team members. Uh, that's all data points that you can kind of add together and figure out how you want to go forward and or like how the program director is does the program director seem very genuine or does he pretty dodgy 
you know, it's a program that's just pretty dodgy, you, you know, it not, can't give you straight answers or it gives you very politically correct or very political guarded answers. Well, that's what it's going to be like for the next three years. Like, and that's frustrating now. It's only going to get worse when your career's on the line. Uh, I mean, your career's on the line right now anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And it, like Eric said, like you do get quite a bit more information because like with the program on Wednesday, like he didn't ask, I think it's kind of taboo to ask about benefits and whatnot, but he, oh, for sure. he didn't ask about it, but was it the program director or was it? We never met a program uh, on Wednesday. On um, Wednesday. I'm not sure what you're getting to. Um, they were talking about how um, with this program, you have to ask for your, you, you can ask, you have your time off, but you need to oh. ask for it like three months in advance or something. Yeah. This, the program director said that you, like you get 21 days off. And, but you have to ask about 90 days in advance. Uh, and there's only certain months that you can use them. I'm, I'm assuming it's like a lot of programs. They don't like you using your time off when you're supposed to be on the wards, when you're on the internal medicine services at the hospital. That's not the time to be taking vacation. Vacation time is when you're in the clinics. <laughs> so um, that's essentially, that wasn't surprising to me. But the 90 days was uh, not is not in my wheelhouse. I, I am not a three-month-out planner, <laughs> <laughs> despite what maybe this podcast makes you think. But I am not a three-month-out planner, uh, generally speaking. Um, it, I'm more of a spur-of-the-moment kind of guy. It's, it's about, I'm, I'm, like, within a few weeks. And, like, when I was working at the Vancouver Clinic... I never took any time off because I never could plan anything. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll maybe take some time off when the kids come. Like that was planned, you know, nine months, you know, in, nine <laughs> months in the future, a baby is going to be born. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, he was pretty awful. But I mean, it was great from the standpoint of like before we left for medical school, when we were cleaning out the house and um, selling it and all that jazz he 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 quit and he had all of that saved PTO pay that was nice out. yeah that was cashed out and was nice but um yeah yeah not a, not a great planner but sometimes it doesn't work perfectly well but Karen's kind of more of a planner so it could work out additionally they added in and again I didn't ask he just the program director just offered it as part of our conversation he said oh and also for holidays either Christmas or New Year's, we give you five days off, and that's not part of the 21 days. So that's kind of nice, you know? Like yeah. It's a, you, you get a Chris, you know, some kind of holiday where you can maybe go, oh, I want to go visit my folks. Uh, well, I have five days off, so we can plan a trip. And it's not part of my 21 days, so that's, that is relatively nice, actually, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. So it's, it is interesting what different perks different programs have. Yeah, I think. Well, I had the the, the tour I had on Thursday. They talked about a daycare on site. Like the, the particular hospital had a daycare on site that all employees of the hospital could possibly use. You, but there is a bit of a waiting list on it, and it does cost I think about a thousand dollars minimum per child. So while that's a nice option, uh, it's probably not a feasible option for us. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Uh, 
five kids in daycare. Wow. I mean, granted, some of our kids are like school age now, so we, they, if we weren't homeschooling, they, they would be um, in school. So, but let's assume five kids in daycare—that's like five thousand dollars, and <laughs> um, that's your whole. That's basically my monthly, monthly paycheck. paycheck. Yeah. So, like, I would I'd be working just to put the kids in daycare, and so I was presumably Karen would be working. So whatever Karen made would be going to the the living expenses of the family. So that's a an interesting situation um, to say the least. Not that you couldn't do it. We've done it a version of that before. Yeah. Um, and one of our one of the programs they had like a concierge service where, like, if you need to have your car oil changed or whatnot, they would set up an appointment or they would. Oh yeah, you just do- contact them like, hey, my car needs oil change, and they was like, okay, great. And they set it up and they take your car to get the oil change and bring it back. And so, like, like, oh, I need groceries. Like, oh, great, we'll pick them up for you. <laughs> and, like, you mean you pay for the groceries, you paid for the oil change, but you didn't have to pay for the concierge aspects of everything. Yeah, which is, I mean, I, I can imagine for a lot of um, residents who are working a lot of hours, that is very highly utilized, I would yeah, imagine. I mean, on your time off, like, who wants to do laundry? Like, oh, I have. I have a few hours off of free time. I'm not sleeping. I'm not at the hospital. I don't need to study. They're not going to do your laundry for you. Well, you can actually do, like, dry cleaning and stuff like that. Oh. And you do, you could do laundry services, I'm, I'm sure. But, like, you know, oh, I don't want to spend, you know, my time off. I go to the grocery store and spend an hour in the grocery store buying groceries for the next week. But sometimes that can be a little cathartic and that can be nice. But, uh also like maybe you want to do something completely different something more enjoyable something like a hobby or something like that so now your life maybe is a little bit more fulfilling that you can focus on things you actually want to do as opposed to all the things you have to do because <laughs> you there's only so much time in the day uh so that, that's another neat perk that some programs have um yeah it's just been interesting kind of this process to see because, I mean, ultimately, every single program is going to get you to the end goal of being an internal med doctor. And <laughs> you need training. <laughs> yeah. So you'll get there. But just, like, what they offer and where they are and all of that is just kind of interesting. Which I think leads us to um, Letters of Intention. I'm a little bit behind the ball, so if you're listening to this... Um, do it sooner. Uh, yeah, do it sooner. I am, like, obviously the rank lists are being discussed by yourself, of course, and the programs. Some programs might have already finalized their rank list. So I've sent in my letter of intention. A uh, letter of intention is just simply saying, hey, I interviewed with you guys, um, and I met with these people. This is what I like about your program. I intend to rank you guys... Uh, number one, and I hope and hope to be a, a resident at your program. And I want to thank you for the opportunity you've given me. Uh, generally, I think the rule of thumb is you only send it to your number one. <laughs> but I wouldn't put it past some people to send it to all their programs and saying, "Hey, I'm ranking you number one." Uh, <laughs> the general idea is that, hey, they know that you're super interested. And by being super interested in them, then maybe they might be super interested in you because they want to people they want to have people rank uh, they want to have people match and so 
if you rank them high and they go, oh, you're actually a, you know, you're a decent candidate, we maybe we'll bump you up a little higher in our rank list because then we know we're definitely going to get you. Um, I think, I don't know, I don't really know how this works and I'm not a program director, so I'm not even sure if it works at all. But I was told by uh, a former student who is a little bit more well well versed in these these things that it's worth a shot and that it can make a difference so you might as well do it uh, to be fair as a, as a word of caution there are some language in the eras and the match and nrmp uh whatever the acronym is for the match process uh <laughs> There is some literature and verbiage in there where applicants and programs are not supposed to communicate with each other for the purpose of influencing their rank list. So a program should not be interviewing you and saying, hey, uh, rank us number one because we're going to rank you number one. Like they can't say that explicitly, but a lot of times programs will do a lot of, you know, like, like kind of like that letter of intention. I didn't say, please make me number one. There was no ask. There was no, please uh, do this for me. I didn't ask them to do anything. I just said, hey, this is my intention. And thank you for the opportunity to interview and the opportunity to possibly be a resident with you guys. So I'm just thanking them. I'm giving, I'm letting them know what I'm, where my mindset is at and they can make their decisions however they want so i'm not <laughs> it's it's a i don't know if i'm threading the, the line perfectly well but i just wanted to throw it out there that don't say hey i'm ranking you number one please rank me number one too <laughs> <laughs> or offer bribes or anything like that like just state your case and uh state you know state what um what you want to say and what you intend to do and let it go <laughs> because the program again is not like i got i've gotten emails from some programs that just said hey just reaching out end of the cycle you know we're done with our interviews thanks for interviewing with us if you interviewed we're doing our rank list we are not allowed to talk to you about our rank list and we can't really give you any indication but i hope you have you know i hope everything works out for you well this match season so like i know some people interpret that as love letters from the program I think that there's a button that they push <laughs> on the EUI's dashboard that just says send thank you notes or end of season notes to all applicants. And, you know, they have their internal list of where they want the ranks applicants. And then they just push the internet button and send all that email out to all the applicants. I mean, because like, wouldn't it be great for a program if every applicant ranks them number one? You know, like everyone wants to work work with us. Like that makes you feel pretty special. Uh, you know, obviously they only have like let's say they have like ten slots. Well, they're not going to get three hundred applicants. Like they're not going to get three hundred people. So uh, I don't know how that process works exactly. If <laughs> but I'm sure if everyone ranks them one and they have a list of one through ten, uh, well then the one through ten just got filled. <laughs> so. Uh, assumingly, if that's how that works. Anyway, um, I don't. I, I see. I hear people call them love letters from the programs. Uh, I'm nothing I've seen, and maybe I'm not getting those emails, and that could be a bad sign for me. But <laughs> nothing I've seen indicates the letter is not anything but an automatically generated letter that is relatively generic and not tailored to Eric. So uh, take that for what it is. But 
letters of intention, good time to send those out. I, I think probably the appropriate time would have been end of January before, you know, just as the interview season is ending and just as programs are starting to, cr to create their final rank list so that your letter of intent might have some kind of impact. Yeah, February, you start worrying about, <laughs> they've had meetings now, faculty members have sat down, looked at the rank list and starting to, to move people up and down. And your letter of intent might come like the day after they finalize the rank list and it's like, well, too bad. <laughs> um, but that's essentially, I, I've completed that task. That's uh, my word of uh, advice is do it sooner. <laughs> And then, um, I guess the last thing, I don't want to keep this too long, but we, I know we're trying to cram in two weeks worth of information. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously Eric was not on rotation during those three days, that, the days that two we were... Two and a half. Yeah, two and a half days, because we did leave half halfway through. Yeah, I, I, still, I still came into my rotation Tuesday morning. Yeah, so, um, but just a quick recap on rotation. Yeah, um, doing my internal medicine rotation, um, uh, phenomenal uh, internal medicine doctor. He's super smart, and uh, again, I think I mentioned this last time we were on, he's really into dermatology, and that is a weak spot for me, and I need to get better at dermatology. Uh, but he's also really into ECGs, and I am decent at ECGs, so... Um, Plus and minus there, like there are days where I'm doing super good and then I walk into a room and look at a nail fungus and completely lose my brain. Uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> the, the course of those days where it's like, I'm doing okay and I look at the ECG and I knock it out of the park. Uh, so, you know, 50-50 there. Uh, but we're learning, learning quite a lot there. Uh, my the last couple of weeks, I was with two other medical students from Trinity. And this week I got a whole different, a new third year medical student that's rotating. The other two are done with the rotation. So two new one, uh, one new one has come on. Uh, so now it's my job to kind of teach a little bit. Uh, and I'm trying, I don't know how good I am. I've been trying to teach her uh, ECG access, uh, accesses. So positive, uh, right, normal access, left, uh, my gosh, why am I... Left, left axis deviation, right axis deviation. This is really good. We're, we're, uh, we're pretty tired. <laughs> I, know, I, I swear I know ECGs, guys. <laughs> um, and then how to calculate them, uh, how, you know, the different methods you could use. It's like, th it's like two or three different methods. I only really went over two. Uh, why it's important, uh, where the leads are, and how the QoS complex is going to be positive, negative reflection based off of... Uh, possible pathologies or you know when you see ST depression or elevations what it can point to and which leads and why anatomically that makes sense because uh, I might use a maybe a, a little tiny soapbox one of the things I, I learned in medical school was you just learn the information you memorize it and you regurgitate it so you, you learn leads uh, ST Elevations in leads two, three, and AVF indicates an inferior infarct, and that generally correlates with a right coronary artery infarct, uh, which can affect the AV node and a few other things. And so you learn that you learn that all those that all those data points. 
but you don't really look at the anatomical aspect of, you know, two, three, AVF are inferior leads, looking at the inferior aspect of the heart, and um, that's essentially where the right coronary artery goes. And so adding the anatomical component to the electrical component, I think, really can shed a, a major light on diagnostics. Um, and one of the things I was going over with her, um, the other student, was, okay, well, if you have great, you know, high positive deflections in the QRS complex on leads V1 and V2, what does that mean? Well, lead 1 and V2 are on you know, the parasternal leads there, one on the right side of the, the heart, or one on the right side of the sternum and one's on the left. Those are generally seen as, I think, some people call them the septal leads. Uh, they can be the anterior septal leads, depending on your uh, nomenclature. Uh, but if those are very tall, that means there's a possible, uh, some sort of anatomical abnormality in the anterior part of the heart. Well, what's the most anterior part of the heart? The right ventricle. So <laughs> if you have um, right ventricular hypertrophy, hyper RVH, I'm just going to do that because I just apparently cannot say that word. Uh, <laughs> you have RVH in the absence of LVH. Well, what can that point to? And then so you can kind of work a differential diagnosis based off of some of that. If, that, if that's the only abnormality you find on the ECG. Obviously, if you have other abnormalities, you pay attention to those as well. But that's what I was going down. Like, okay, well, that points to the right ventricle has enlarged. And so what can cause right ventricle enlargement? So what do you got to look for? What other aspects of, um, of the pathology should you be paying attention to? Um, I don't know if that was helpful to her. This was like her first day of learning ECGs. So I don't know if really throwing that at her was the best <laughs> <laughs> process. I am trying something new. But we had a few minutes where I was kind of left alone. And he was like, hey, why don't you talk to her about accesses? And so that's where the rabbit hole led. So, um, rotation is going great. <laughs> um, last, last week. Yeah, the first week I didn't have to do any hospital aspects to the, the rotation because there weren't, we weren't on hospital. Um, last week we were, but I only had, again, two and a half day. Uh, yeah, two and a half days of clinic. Uh, three, Sorry, three and a half days of clinic. Because it was Monday... Tuesday, Friday. Tuesday and a half. and Oh, yeah, Friday. So, two yeah, and two and a half days. Um, and Monday, we didn't have to go to the hospital because we didn't have any patients in the hospital. So, I really only went to the hospital on Tuesday and Friday. And when we go to the hospital, we go in at 5 o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> I only really had two really early mornings. Well, this week, we are at the hospital. We definitely have patients at the hospital. So, I am in the hospital at 5 o'clock in the morning. And then we do our our clinic, we go to the lodge, which is a short-term skilled nursing facility, and then we, uh, I think on Fridays, we go to the pavilion, where we, the residents do their clinic, and doctor, the, my attending, uh, reviews their cases, you know, they present to him, and he gives plan, helps them with the plan development and whatnot. Um, that day is a little bit less intensive as far as the rotation is concerned. We spend more time talking about concepts and theory and algorithm and no time talking to almost no time talking to patients. So 
on but all those days we're going to the hospital at five o'clock in the morning we do all that stuff until five o'clock p.m so it ends up being 12 hour days uh, <laughs> long long days uh but it's you know actually not the worst so i don't actually hate it as much as i thought i would hate it well let me take that back i didn't think i was gonna hate this rotation i just thought i was gonna be working a lot and feel very burned out yeah, but again, that was before you got your your CPAP, and I think that has significantly helped. He's not falling asleep. Yeah, I every every time he sits down now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sitting down and and passing out is not as much of a thing anymore. So that that's kind of cool. I mean, I, I initially got in the CPAP. I was like, this is gonna solve all my problems. I'm gonna be a thousand times better. I'm gonna have all the energy in the world. Um, and the the truth is, is that. I do feel much better. Uh, the CPAPs has has significantly helped uh, in definitely tangible ways. Where I, I like, I would sit down and I would wake up in the morning, get ready to go to the rotation. And I would get in the car and probably two miles down the road, start falling asleep and having to find different ways to keep myself awake while I'm driving uh, to a rotation that was only like ten miles away. And that's that's kind of crazy. But so now I don't really have that problem. That's kind of nice. Yeah. I'm still tired. Uh, obviously, if I'm only getting four hours of sleep at night, then I am only getting four hours of sleep at night. That's a CPAP is not going to somehow magically add three hours of sleep to my schedule. So uh, there are limitations apparently to this machine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was not in the fine print, but you know something you just figure out. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, been essentially the rotation. Um, we finish up this week. Uh, I do have my ED rotation schedule, so I'm hoping to just kind of cruise through this last week and hit the ED and hopefully not suck. Um, I was told that one of my other compart um, peers is going to be there on ED with me. At least there's going to be some overlap, uh, I doubt the whole time, but um, all that really means is he, well, he's, he, he's going to be uh, going, he's trying to match an ED and based off of his, his ginormous amount of interviews that he's had, he's going to match. Uh, <laughs> and it just, uh, he's going to have to, I probably had the hardest time is picking where, um, but like, okay, so I'm going to do an ED rotation with a guy who wants to do ED and he has had at least three or four rotations in the ED. So I'm going to suck. <laughs> and he's going to be pretty awesome but you know it's something for me to learn from him right yep. <laughs> that's I guess the point <laughs> so hope for the best yeah so we're recording this on Monday so happy I guess it's, it's going to get posted Wednesday no matter what but happy Valentine's Day to everyone we hope you have a good holiday and you... as always if you have any questions shoot me a message on Instagram, MedFamilyMD, um, and you yeah. can subscribe to our podcast on any of the major podcasts, subscribing or podcast streaming sites. So Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon, uh, all main ones that our podcast is on. You can subscribe, leave five stars. That helps us get a little bit more reach. And again, like Karen said, any questions, send her a message from MedFamilyMD on Instagram. You guys have a great week. We will talk to you next week. Bye.